0: Well, these uh, these words are very confusing for a lot of people. Um, why in the world would Jesus three times in a row seem to reject this woman? Uh, you can see the three objections introduced in verse 23, 24, and 26 with the word but. But, but, but. And uh, sometimes in our lives... We may feel that way as well uh, in our prayer life, in our daily life, in our life in which we face numerous afflictions. It seems like God can be pushing us away, that Jesus can be uh, forsaking us and neglecting us rather than hearing our cries. And so I've uh, preached on this passage a number of times in my life. And uh, finally, after preaching on it several times, I think I gained more insight into it when I realized that the secret of it really is in verse 28, O woman, great is thy faith, or it could be translated from Greek, O woman, mature is thy faith, be it unto thee as thou wilt. Sometimes when Jesus gives us a parable or a miracle, or even a story like this one, we don't understand it until the very last verse. And he sort of gives us a, a little key in the last verse to grasp it. And that's what's going on here. He is obviously, if we read this rightly, through his apparent uh, rejections of this woman, maturing her faith. and. If you look at your own life, how seldom do we grow without afflictions? We grow much more in times of afflictions than we do in times of prosperity. We become much more conformed to the image of Christ, don't we, through afflictions than we do through pleasant experiences. And so the Lord has ways of of, uh, training and molding and maturing us through affliction. Now, there are three rejections here. The first is uh, what I call his apparent silence. He doesn't answer a word. She comes and in God's providence, she meets Jesus on the borders of northern Israel. And that in itself is a wonder of grace. And she cries out for her daughter. Her daughter is grievously vexed. And with a devil. And we read. But he answered her not a word. I mean that's amazing. But that's often how we feel. When we pray isn't it. We, It seems like he doesn't hear. Nothing changes. And. The silence of God. Which we all face. From time to time. Is actually. Something God uses. To mature us. It's like going through a deep dark, long tunnel and we come back out in the sunshine of God's grace and our faith is the stronger because we've learned to trust him in the darkness, not just in the light. Uh, Samuel Rutherford, the Scottish, famous Scottish divine said, the silence of God is hell on earth to a believer. It's the bitterest ingredient he has to drink in his Christian cup of sorrow. So this is no small thing. David said, Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me I become like them that go down into the pit. So so why would God be God be silent? Well, we don't know all the reasons, of course, but God's because God is God. But there's two reasons that are always true. One is he wants to get glory for himself. And he gets more glory. We read uh, in John 11, when he would raise a dead Lazarus, then when he would heal a sick Lazarus. And that's why he abode two days still where he was and was silent when they sent a message to Jesus. Come, Lazarus is dying. He's six miles away and he just stays where he is. He waits till he's dead. And so the Lord often doesn't answer our prayers right away, but he waits till uh, the fire goes out and we we think the prayers are not going to be answered and we're forlorn and we feel he's silent. And then suddenly, when we've come to our wit's end in our prayers, he uh, he answers them wondrously and, and speaks. Um, and in John 11, Verse 4, we read that Jesus says that the reason this is so is because it's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. Sometimes the greatest joys in our life come when God answers prayers after we've even given up praying them. And then secondly, he seems to reject her outright. He says, "I'm, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And of course, she wasn't of the house of Israel in verse uh, 20 24 uh the, the the disciples reject her they say send her away then Jesus seems to reject her and you think wow she's going to turn around and just go back home and say my neighbors were right before I left and saying that Jesus is a Messiah of the Jews and he, he he can't minister to you he's um, he may be a god in the eyes of the Jews but he can't He's a local deity, like all the other deities. and um, But no, she can't go back, because she came by true faith in Christ, and faith never turns its back upon Jesus. Faith has nothing to go back to in the house of self. She has only a daughter who's possessed with a demon. She must have Jesus. And so the beautiful thing here is that when she is rejected, double-barrel rejection, actually, from the disciples and from Jesus. Verse 25 says, then came she and worshipped him. When she's rejected, imagine that. She falls at his feet, and she says, Lord, help me. Notice how Jesus is maturing her faith by cutting her off of everything in herself. Her, Her first prayer was, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter's grievously vexed with the devil. Second prayer is just, Lord, help me. The daughter's missing. You see, God often matures us through our children, through afflictions with our children. But now she worships him. And you know the word worship in Greek is proskuneo. It's actually a compound of two words. Pros means toward, and kuneo means to kiss. To worship God is to have all my affections go out to God. And so this woman, when she's rejected, instead of turning her back on Jesus, she just falls at his feet. And her affections go out to him as if she says, Lord, help me. I cannot, I cannot let thee go. You know, when John Bunyan uh, has Christian fall in the slew of despond, there's a man who comes along and pulls him out. His name is Help. And uh, Bunyan says in the margin, Help is Jesus, and he's the mediator between God and us. So the the prayer, Lord, help me, really has everything in it. Lord, she reaches up to to deity, help. She pleads through the mediatorship of Jesus and me, a sinner, an undeserving sinner. And then you think the Lord would certainly answer her prayer, but there's a third but. It's not fitting to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. So first there's apparent silence. Then there's apparent rejection. And lastly, there's apparent insult. Um, The Jews called Gentiles at that time dogs because they considered them to be unclean uh, creatures. Much like we would say of someone, oh, you're just a pig today, uh, which is a terrible thing to say. Why would Jesus do that? Well, this woman has not yet confessed her sin. She hasn't confessed that she's just unclean. She hasn't confessed that she's just a beast before God. And that's where God wants to bring us. As we pray and plead with him to do great things, we become nothing that he becomes everything. And so she answers, truth, Lord. Truthful, I'm just a dog. I'm just a a beast. But she notices that Jesus uses the little uh, suffix ending in Greek, which means little dog, and little dogs were just beginning to come into the homes of people as pets in those days. Old Testament times, all dogs were wild. New Testament times, big dogs were wild. Small dogs were taken in as pets. And so it's as if she's saying, truth, Lord, I'm a dog, I'm unclean, I need thee, but I'm more than happy to be thy dog. I'm not asking to be a Jew sitting around thy table, getting a whole loaf of bread like the others, but just give me a few crumbs. Anything from thee, Lord, is good. She sticks her foot in the beggar's door, and she won't let the Lord go. She says, truth, Lord, I'm a dog. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. Here you are, Lord. You're on the northern boundary of Israel. Surely you've got a few crumbs left from your bounty. And you'll slip them off the edge of the table, down to the floor. And this Gentile dog will lap them up. And then Jesus says, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And it's like he says, Here, woman, here's the keys to my storehouse. You come in and you take whatever you want. And she goes home, I'm saying figuratively now, with two loaves of bread, one for her daughter, one for herself. Because when the Lord gives us crumbs, it's never just crumbs. When the Lord answers our prayer, he brings everything with him. And we get God himself and the answer. And it's never small when it comes from God. And she comes home and guess what? Her daughter is whole. And the word whole in Greek means complete, well-rounded wholeness. She's whole spiritually. She's whole physically. And you can believe the first thing they talked about was Jesus and his goodness and his greatness. And what a wonderful prayer giving, prayer hearing, prayer answering. Jehovah, he truly is. So as we pray, remember, God often doesn't answer prayers right away. He tests our faith. There seems to be an apparent silence sometimes, an apparent rejection sometimes, maybe even apparent insult. So we become what we are in ourselves before God, just poor, needy, hell-worthy sinners pleading for mercy. And finally, you might say, well, but how did she then receive this answer to prayer if she was so unworthy? my answer to that is this. Jesus didn't receive apparent silence. He faced the real silence. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Deafening silence. Jesus didn't face apparent rejection, but real rejection. He was rejected by heaven and earth and hell. And Jesus didn't, face apparent insult he faced real insult they plucked off his beard they spit in his face they said if you're the christ come down from the cross they press thorns into his crown they thrust a spear into his side you see jesus faced the real things of suffering in order to turn the apparent sufferings of his people to their gain, so that he could merit the reason why he will answer our cries so be not faithless but believing he's just maturing your faith just waiting to be gracious at the right time the right answer to the poor petitioner who cries out for mercy